Hello, you bunch of smashers. This is Sarah Milliken. If you can hear scratching at the door, it's my cat who's trying to get in because he doesn't like me having fun without him. Welcome to the Standard Issue podcast. In this episode, me and Standard Issue deputy editor Hannah Dunleavy uh, went along to the Leicester Comedy Festival and had a cracking matter with uh, Jane Hill, who's a comedian and author, and uh, comedian and writer Danielle Ward. We talked about shower caps, Chippendales on a plane, which is not a sequel to that other film, and Dancing with Dogs. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Firebug Bar in Leicester. We've got a whole bunch of these booked in with oh, some amazing guests. Sue Perkins, Victoria Corrin Mitchell, Janet Street Porter, Jenny Clay. March is sold out, but tickets are available for the others. Go to standardissuemagazine.com forward slash events for ticket information. And a bit of admin, just a quick reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to all of our podcasts on iTunes, please, including previous live events and fortnightly Geek Girl Celebration Strong Female Leads. You can have a good read of our articles, news and reviews by following Standard Issue UK on Twitter or find us on Facebook. Or just have a gander at the magazine, standardissuemagazine.com. Everything you hear is just our opinions, so don't get head up, pets. Thanks. Right, I'll let you get cracking. Enjoy. Standard issue for all women. Hello. Hello. How are you, lot? Good. Is it too early for swearing? No. Good. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> Probably a good idea is to introduce ourselves, I guess. Yes. Yes. Uh, Hannah, who are you, you, Hannah? (laughs) Um, I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I'm the deputy editor of Standard Issue magazine. I'm Jane Hill. I do comedy and radio, and I'm also a novelist, and I write for Standard Issue as well. I'm Danielle Ward. I'm a comedian and writer and musician, and um, I've written one thing for Standard Issue. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a producer as well? Oh, yes, I am a little bit of a producer, A little bit? Which bit of one? (laughs) Well, the bit that gets paid without doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, that's fair enough. And I'm uh, Sarah Millican, and I do stand-up and eat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's other things, but they're the two things (laughs) that seem the most important to me. Say again? Um, oh, well, bless you. Thanks very much, Flower. That's, it's gone weird, but I still liked it. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, I was at a gig last night, and somebody shouted out, we love you, and it was, it was really sweet, but it was also like, I love you too. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't know how to respond. I'm just a people pleaser. What can I say? At the moment, we could probably say that um, the world is in need of a laugh. So um, what, what is it that absolutely guaranteed makes you laugh? Start with Jane. Um, kind of people falling over, mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, any, the, anybody. Yeah, those things on the internet where somebody accidentally gets hit by a flying sign. Um, <laughs> or if you're going a bit more cultural, two soups, always, just uh, eternally. Or always, maybe once. Daniel? For me, um, when you see someone in the street about to eat some food and they either drop the food or the food is taken by a bird. <laughs> <laughs> favourite thing in the world and they don't even realise the food's gone and they go to eat it and it's not there anymore. I saw a little boy on, not too little, like sort of seven or eight on his bike and he had a bag of chips that he just got from the chip shop and it was open because obviously he couldn't fucking wait (laughs) till he got in and he just had it delicately balanced and then he turned his his, uh, handlebars and the whole thing emptied out and I was in a car so I just howled (laughs) (laughs) probably in person I would have been quite nice about it but (laughs) laughing at children is the way forward (laughs) I saw a a child have such a bad temper tantrum the other day that he actually tore the trousers from himself and just took off up the road in his nappy and his (laughs) mum looked so exasperated and I just went "Ah." (laughs) what's little boy what kind were they, were they like well, strippers I thought they ones? were like yeah. strippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea, but he got them off. He got, he got the trousers off him and he just took off up the road. Have you ever seen the Chippendales? No. I once sat next to a Chippendale on a plane. I was on a plane coming back from Los Angeles <laughs> and I was travelling on my own and they put an unaccompanied child next to me because obviously they thought... The was that the Chippendale? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't the road. But obviously they thought the unaccompanied woman would love to look after an unaccompanied child. Oh. And after oh. about two minutes, I sort of beckoned the hostess over and said, look, this is not on, really. And they said, well, don't worry, we'll sort it out. And I went to sleep, I woke up, and there was a chipping down next to me. <laughs> like, How long were you asleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 30 years. Did he um, not have any... Cl- How did you know he was a Chippendale? Was he, he in to- his... He told oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing a 
wrong or something. No, I, I said, was just dressed for work. I, well, I, <laughs> I started a conversation. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a dancer. And I thought mm. he was like a ballet dancer or something because I'm quite, you know, I'm quite cultural, me. <laughs> <laughs> the tights and the bulge. Um, but he said, no, I, I said, have you heard of the Chippendales? And I said, yes. And then he wasn't, he wasn't very bright. And he was asking... So you knew it was real. <laughs> and he kept saying to me, so is Heathrow named after, like, Lord Heathrow? I'm like, oh. no, it's a place. Oh. But anyway, that was my chip and dust. I, I, um, I interviewed a couple once. Well, I talked at them. Uh, they didn't really say much back. But then the PR lady, I did it for the Guardian podcast in Edinburgh, and the PR lady said, if you want to come, I can sort you some tickets. And I thought, well, I'm not paying, but I'll go and have a laugh. So I took a bunch of friends, and um, who <laughs> are still my friends, amazingly, because it was so horrific. Um, because it, it was... Uh, it felt a bit like um, every time they came off the stage, it was hilarious for 10 minutes and then uncomfortable for 50. And every time one of them came off the stage, it was like there was a wasp in the room because all the women in the audience were like, oh, there's one over there, there's one over there, move out the way, there's one over there. And, and they, they were so good at ripping their vests off that I thought, there's a woman backstage with a pair of scissors just nicking the top, there must be. Because you can't just rip no. material like that, I don't think. We, did, we, had, we had a game where we decided which, if you had to have sex with one of them, which one would it be? Good game. You guys can play that now if you like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, leave it to yourselves. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, don't shout it out. That's just rude. But we all picked the one that looked like he was hating it. <laughs> like that we hoped he was doing a degree and that's he how he was paying his way. Did you say? He was no, that he was hating it. Oh, okay. He had it. So he, he was working his way through college. Yeah, and yeah, he exactly. Had sort of he was probably going to be a doctor or something yeah, at the end. Yeah. Save the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So sorry, that was that wasn't a question. Have you <laughs> seen the chips? <laughs> So, so what always makes you laugh, Sarah? Oh, um... Other people's misfortunes seems to be quite big here. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I do, um... I do like all the... They're similar to, like, the video clips of, you know, children falling off, falling in cakes, and because that's, you know, that's always fun as well. Um, farts, mostly, I think. Mm. Farts are the, a good, well-timed fart. Like, when, we, when I first met my now husband, we didn't fart in front of each other. Well, we did, but, you know, we never mentioned it. We just sneaked it out. And now we've got to the point, like, we got to the point then when the next stage, I think, in a relationship is when you do it as a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll say something that'll set it up really nicely, and then one of you will do a really loud fart. And now we can be in the middle of a conversation and just, just, <laughs> the whole time, and neither of us even fucking notices it's happening. <laughs> That's 12 years for you. My, my father never got over the fact that the German word for father was farter. He thought yeah, that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> He would come home from work, and he was a sales rep, so he sort of worked from his car, so I think he wanted to keep his car kind of fairly smell-free. And he'd come in from work, and he'd stand in front of the fireplace, and he'd do a sort of thing where he stood like this, legs apart, and then suddenly go, In front of the fire? In front of the fire. In front of the fire, in front of everybody, and just left up the smelliest fart. But isn't that lethal in front of a fire? Yes. <laughs> you could have all gone up. I don't know if that makes oh, it no. better. Yeah, oh, I, wasn't I don't know if it fire. makes any difference. Have <laughs> <laughs> we got any fart or fire experts in the room today? <laughs> no, none. What would you say is the best and worst thing about your work and life? Danielle, start with you. What's, what do you think is the best thing? Or Well, I think the best thing is um, the freedom to do whatever you want, really, within the law. Um, <laughs> I stress that. No, I, like I, I do, like I see my friends and they do the nine to five grind and all that sort of thing, and they commute and they feel really sad and and s they feel frustrated with their lives. And I never feel like that. I always, I'm even when my career feels like it isn't going very well. I always feel very grateful for the fact that my time is my own, which I think yeah. is something that I really do love. And also, when I'm writing, I get to not speak to anybody for at least 48 hours, which is brilliant. Um, because I used to work in customer services, and I was so bad at it. I was told by everybody I had an attitude problem. In fact, I used to work at the South Korean Embassy, and on the day I, I hated it so much, I was really arsy to everybody. But they were hor I had nine days holiday in my first year. It was a horrible job. And on the last day, they took me into this office, and three diplomats sat me down and told me I had a terrible attitude. <laughs> Mr. Wu, Mr. Lee, and Mr. Park. <laughs> and yeah, and why, why, just because you didn't like it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't horrible to them. I just think I, I didn't have this attitude of, this is the best job ever, I should be doing the best. Like, I just did the job to the best of my abilities, but I wasn't 
completely grateful for doing you such a terrible job. In love with it. Yeah, and they didn't like that. And that was your customer service job? Uh, that w- no. That w- I've also had customer service jobs where, again, it's just, I'm not very... I'm not a people person, which is why I love stand-up, because it's a one-direction <laughs> conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to... They, yeah. It's better if they don't talk back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in customer service quite a lot, and I quite liked it, um, because I was really good on a till. <laughs> and I like to think that if this all goes to shit... I could totally get a job on a till, but I think tills might have changed. They might be all like really advanced now. It's all on an iPad now. Oh no, is yeah, it? So they do in Topshop. In oh, I don't go in Topshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the best thing is that you don't. You're not a people person, so it suits you down to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's more it's about the freedom, I think. Yeah, anything. yeah. And and you know, if you watch something on the news, as happens a lot at the moment, you can immediately go on stage and talk about it, which is a really great thing, I think. Mm. And what's the worst thing? The worst thing is um, the crushing loneliness, <laughs> self hatred, <laughs> scrutiny from your peers, scrutiny from the industry, all that, all that stuff, all the, all the. All the insecurities, I think, of, of putting something in front of an audience, either live or as a writer, and then it being judged. So everything after the writing? Yeah, no, I, mean, I really lo- I love doing stand-up. I love yeah. it. It's the, as we were saying um, earlier, sometimes like, if I've done a gig and I have to go and use the toilets that everybody else is using, I've put my fingers in my ears because I don't like to hear people talking about me, even if it's positive, because it's that feeling of being judged. Yeah. That I don't, I've never read any feedback I've had on eBay. That's how much I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really haven't. On eBay? On eBay. <laughs> I don't read reviews. I've never even read that. I really haven't. You don't read reviews? I don't read reviews either, no. I always think I'm not going to read them, and then I read them, and oh, uh, then I cry uh, sometimes. Uh, I read a review once. It, I was doing the Hammersmith Apollo, which is the biggest uh, venue on my tour, and it was always quite, it's always quite intimidating because it's such a huge sort of iconic venue. And I read a review in the interval, so I'd done 45 minutes, and I was, oh, yeah, so. I know. I'm a fucking idiot, I know. And I read a review in, I'm going to say the Telegraph, it might be wrong, uh, in a, in, let's call it in a broadsheet newspaper, and... Uh, uh, so I read the review, and in some places it was quite positive, in other places it was very mean. And uh, I decided, because I had a little cry, but I only had 20 minutes and I needed a wee and at least a cup of tea. So I thought, I'm going to pick a quote, because often with a review you'll try and find a quote that says very funny, the telegraph or something, so you can use that on your next post. as part of yeah. when you read a review, you're always scanning for something you might be able to use. And I thought, I'm going to find a quote that makes me laugh and I'm going to put that in my head to walk back out onto the stage in the second half. And the critic had said uh, that he and his wife had discussed me before going into the show, irrelevant, uh, and they had decided that I spread myself too thin. So I went out in the second half with too thin, the telegraph. (laughs) 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 And it made me really happy. (laughs) I I was reading a, um, a review of... Because I've, I've written, well, I say I've written three novels, but I also have a fourth novel that didn't come out in the UK because I didn't think it was good enough and needed to my publisher. Where did it come out then? If It, it not came out in Germany. Because you Germans don't... Good enough for Germany. Well, there was that element of, look, I don't read German, I'm not going to be able to read it, I don't really care, and they gave me the money for it. So I let it... I let it I mean, I needed the money, you know, that's what I was living on. And I didn't think they'd publish it. I thought it was so shit they won't have published it. But apparently they did publish it because I got a cheque. And so I went on Amazon to see what the reviews went. As I say, I can't read German. But the very first review was one star, and it had this big word. It just said, Grottenschlecht. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what a direct translation is, but it's not good, is it? (laughs) Exactly. So I I like that. That's my favourite review. Grottenschlecht. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Jane, what's the best thing about your work? You do quite a few different things, don't you? It's like, what, what do I do, really? In fact, I started a new job last, last Monday. I thought I was going to be off till like the end of April, kind of doing comedy and stuff. But then I got this, this offer that I couldn't refuse. And I've just started this new job, and I'm training to be a trainer. So I'm going to go around the country training people to do something in radio. And I like the idea of training because I quite like standing in front of people telling them what to do. And <laughs> people are always saying to me, are you a school teacher? Because you look like one. So it's one of those kind of jobs where I'm going to be spending a lot of time in hotels 
And, and is I, that a bad thing? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you were giving me some great hotel life tips. I quite like a hotel. You know, I like doing mm. stuff. Do you, press, do you with, press all the buttons when you first go in oh the room? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so do I. And I try all the different lights, and I sort of... We were talking about the purple sash. You know, the Premier Inn purple sash? <laughs> and sort of putting it on it, pretending on Miss World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what it's other the, purpose has it got? It's the only time I ever use hand cream is when I'm in a hotel. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, a, and a, a shower cap. Oh, I don't use that. Oh, no. I use a shower cap. Yeah. Do you? I don't, yeah. I don't oh, even oh, use yeah. a shower cap. Do you use it for the purpose <laughs> yeah. it was intended? <laughs> Why? What, have you got, have you got like, a silly one? Or is it? Next day. Because the hotel ones are just like I have a disposable. normal shower cap to keep my hair dry in the shower. Why is but that weird? But don't you wash... Okay, I always wash my hair when I'm in the shower because otherwise it goes all curly. No, I just, I, so I wash my hair every other day. On the day I'm not washing my hair, I put a shower cap. I don't think that's weird. I don't, the thing is, I think it's weird, and yet I stand like this, so I don't get my hair wet. <laughs> which is probably I way think you're, Yeah, you're yeah. more weird than Danielle. Does anybody yeah. else use a shower cap? Yeah. Somebody said yes, give us a wave. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, lady there? Uh, yeah, recently. Recently discovered. <laughs> so you were doing the leaning, and now you're doing the showering. <laughs> Wow, it, it, it didn't, it's never occurred to me. I wash my hair every day. I'm yeah. trying to train my hair to not be washed every day. Mm, it's I quite hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We, were, we were telling um, a young person earlier, well, I was telling them, because I'm, I'm quite old. <laughs> and I was telling a young person when young I was a child, person. and I don't know if we've got any people sort of as old as me here, but when I was a child, we only had a bath once, once a week, because that's what you did on a Sunday night. And we washed our hair that one night, and me and my sister and brother all shared the bath. And we had fairy liquid in it, because we used fairy liquid for everything. And my dad would get so many bubbles, he used to call it a choir boy's collar, because it came up like a ruff. <laughs> and if we're good in the bath, we were allowed to watch, stay up late to watch the brothers. So, I don't know, a anyone... <laughs> a choir boy's collar sounds like it might be a euphemism for something else, yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get jizz all round your neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know that These one. were innocent times, Sarah. <laughs> we're talking the 1960s. So does that mean that on if you only had a bath once a week on a Sunday, yeah. that on a Saturday night you fucking stank? We stank. Uh, I don't know. But did, I suppose you weren't going clubbing because you were only a bit in. No, no, I mean, it wasn't going <laughs> clubbing. I was, I was playing out in the garden though, every week. But you, you, you had, know, a, you had a flannel down in We between. had a flannel down. We flannel <laughs> behind <laughs> our ears and did our, our bits a and stuff. Flannel, yeah. Yeah, a warm flannel. Yeah, a warm flannel. Warm flannel. It's very little more comforting than a warm oh. flannel. Oh. My, my mum used to do something really weird, which was, she didn't, I don't know, conditioner, perhaps it existed in those days, but she didn't use it. She used to wash our, she used to, after she'd washed our hair, she used to wash it again in vinegar. Oh, yeah, 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 for the shine. What? Did you just what's that for, stand? then? Yeah, what's this? Did you... Oh, yeah. you smell like chips all yeah. the time. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It was, like, every time you walk past, people are like, man, I'm really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you could yeah. totally, like... You could, you could catch a mate that way, couldn't you? Yeah. Just if you smelt like chips all the time. I think that would be yeah, amazing. Definitely. So that so So is staying at a hotel your worst thing, then, about your job? I don't know. I think I think the worst thing is that I don't know where I'm going to be like sort of two weeks ahead. Right. I get a little email. Geographically. Two weeks to tell, yeah, geographically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't. Uh, more than geographically, I have no idea what I'm doing at the moment. But um, <laughs> and yeah, what's the so best thing about but including all of your other jobs oh, that you all, do as all well? All my other jobs. I think um, you know, like Danielle with with comedy, you can just sort of stand up and do it, and it's fantastic. And mm. you can you can just make it up and then do it that night. And also writing is like I used to say writing is easy; it's just making things up and typing, you know. The um, typing is hard, though. No, I'm quite good at typing because I trained I, as a journalist oh, and I care yeah. to touch type. I wish. But the making somebody, things up is great. Somebody asked me if I could have a superpower once in an interview. You know, they always ask silly questions mm -hmm. in interviews, and I said touch typing, and they said, "You know, you can learn that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I thought I was like a, maybe a two or three fingers on each hand, and I looked recently when you just watch yourself typing, and I do two on there and one. Three, that's terrible. It could take me forever to do anything. I handwrite mostly. I, I could mostly. actually, because you know, I had to learn it, I had to get my like 90 words a minute or something. I don't know how fast. 90 no, words no, no, a minute? Sorry, that's shorthand, 40 words a minute. I can do it without looking at the screen. It's on these things you just never forget. I know, I need to I learn it. I can do that. I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense when you no. read it back. <laughs> <laughs> I can touch type. I just yeah. wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, oh, but that's journalism. Am yeah. I the only one that. Can any of you guys not touch type? Yay, thanks, Flower. Well done. <laughs> just like, oh, you just do that. I don't even think that's any words. 
<laughs> Not even a keyboard, just bless you. I need to learn, I should learn, but it just feels like such a fucking boring thing to learn. But I will give it a go. Do you know what the best thing about my job is, so. Yes, please. Oh, no. Um, that feels quite weird, because I'm technically her boss. <laughs> it's quite weird. Go on. My boss is... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the best thing about my job is, um, yeah, that I work for a publication that allows me to call Steve Bannon a fuck trumpet. And there doesn't, are doesn't, many doesn't allow publications it. that encourages that. it. Yeah, yeah, actively encourages it. Fake news! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I have a nice boss, obviously. And the worst, the... Thing, but the worst thing is that I live by myself and I work at home. So it is currently like grey gardens at my house. <laughs> if, if anybody knocks on the front door, I think, fucking hell, I really hope that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because if, if I've got to invite someone in, it's going to be a disaster. I'm just like, just in my pyjamas that I've had on for three days and the cats have taken over the it kitchen. It must be quite an exciting time to have an online publication when, when so much of the media is controlled by someone else or has so many agendas. It must feel quite exciting to be part of, you know, yeah. the real news. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been writing a column and I've had to stop because it's literally exhausting to just just keeping informed is exhausting. Yeah. Let Hannah, alone having uh, an opinion. Hannah on writes it, an excellent uh, column called What the Fuck Just Happened. <laughs> and, you, and I urge you all, if it's the one thing that you look at on Standard Issue, it's, it's something that you it's, should definitely start reading. Yeah, it's the essential guide to American politics. Yeah. 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 Hannah knows more than anyone about and is incredibly funny about it. Well. Yeah, well, it's hard to be funny about it at the minute, actually, because obviously it's not funny and you do feel like a, a, you know, a white woman that perhaps. I have some advantages that I can still laugh at it, whereas if I was perhaps a Muslim or you know, mm. a gay woman, I might ha- be a lot more upset about, about what was going on. But yeah, I think if you stop laughing at it, then you're really mm. in trouble because you have to find humour in something everywhere mm-hmm. at the minute. I mean, I was mm. saying this to you earlier. Um, and not to bring the mood down because it's not intended to do that at all, but uh, just before Christmas, my dad died. And it well, has singularly been one of the more amusing experiences of my life. And I can't, I can't explain why. It's just, <laughs> obviously, it was really, really, really sad. But, and he would be happy with me saying this because he found the absurd to be very entertaining. But people come up to you and say really weird things. And the only possible reaction is to just burst out laughing at them. A woman at the, at the hospital came up to us and said, um, have you parked today? And we said, me and my sister went, yeah. She said, just to let you know, because Dad's died... Parking will be free. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm right. And I looked at my sister and I said, he's really taken one for the team there, isn't he? <laughs> £17.50 he saved us back out today. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, even though, even though the news is appalling, I think if you stop laughing at it, you're in real trouble. I'm, quite genu- I'm genuinely surprised that that's the case because a hospital car park yeah. shaft you left, right, and centre. Sure. I got a parking ticket once because um, uh, I, I was about to leave. You know, when you visit your family member and you mm-hmm. get your hour or your two hours, or and I was about to leave, and my mum wanted another hug, and I obviously didn't go. Fuck you, bitch! I've got to go. And, <laughs> like, and I, so I, w- I hugged her, and then I went back down, and I was two minutes over, and I got a parking ticket for that. My so I'm quite surprised that they're as generous yeah. as that. When yeah. you're well, I'm, I'm if you if you ask her if she could shuffle yeah. off this mortal. <laughs> 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 Standard issue. for all women. Uh, is there a pressure on you to look a certain way, Danielle? Um, I think there is, which I don't conform to. Um, in the sense that I think at the moment you are I think as a, as a stand-up comedian it's very much in the it's moving towards having to look attractive to go on television I really do think mm. that is the way it's going and so yeah. and I've got I've got I'm a big thighed girl and um, my manager once did tell me to lose two stone if I wanted to get on 8 out of 10 cats <gasps> honestly yeah can I just point because out that you're behind a desk you're behind a desk not yep. that you've got that nice, no, but, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't just. But it was about an all-over thing. It was like you know. And who? who so was that your agent, or was that the the TV people telling your agent? Or do you know where well, that started? I, it was. It was. I had. Um, I think it was. I had a very very inexperienced manager who wasn't great uh, for a small amount of time, and it was it was from them. And I think it was just they were so desperate, and it was very much if you do this, then we can maybe push you forward. So I do, I do think it's that. I don't want to have to acknowledge it, and I wish it wasn't there, but I think it is. So. Yeah, I definitely think it is. Uh, I, the problem is I just I don't give enough of a shit. Um, <laughs> 
I'm sure some people would employ me more if I looked a certain way, but I just feel, I sort of feel like a responsibility to look normal. Like people, well, I look massive on the telly, but I look fine in Asda. <laughs> Fact, it's true. So I, I think that's appalling, and I, I hope you, what did you say back? Well, I did, I mean, I didn't do it, but partly I didn't do it because I am, I, I work so much as a writer that I haven't got, I haven't got the time to spend two hours a day in the gym and eat so little that I can't function. It's just not an option. No. So it just never happened because physically I'm not able to do that without giving up all my other work, which seems very silly for one slot on the telly. But also how much would you hate that if it worked? I would hate that. No, like if you did it because you were doing, you wanted to progress or whatever. Yeah. And because maybe, I think that's the one of the benefits of being a bit older. You're not as old as I am. How old are you? Sort of? 38. Yeah. So I think if I was 20, I might have listened to things like that. Yeah. But being 41, I just, nobody even says that to me now because they know I would just walk off. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there is uh, a pressure to, so I, I hate uh, shopping for telly. Like, as in, uh, not shopping for tellies. I love doing that. <laughs> I just th I think, know, while, it's just a while it's a depressing question, I think what's quite comforting is that none of us have conformed. Yeah. <laughs> Standard issue for all women. Can I ask you all what's the best thing about getting older? I really like getting older. Um, I think, for me, I, I, like, a bit like what you were saying before, I sort of care less what people think. I try to care less, anyway. And also, I don't... Um, I sort of don't do as I'm told, like I probably did 20 years ago. Um, Hannah, what do you what, do? You like getting well, older? Well, I would agree with that because I, to be honest, would be quite happy to just cut arms and legs and head hold out of a sack of potatoes and wear that. And I have always been like that. And I used to. Do you think that would be itchy? Yeah, it probably, <laughs> it probably a bit nippy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the, there's definitely the older you get, the less or the more just people just realise you're not going to change, and the more people stop saying you don't think you could have put a dress on. Or something. So, yeah, you definitely give a shit less about that. And, and well, I think you just give a shit less. I mean, I am a massively, we were talking about this earlier, I'm a massively disorganised person. Last time I was at Leicester Comedy Festival, I was supposed to be helping out at a standard issue gig. I turned up 30 seconds before it started. Um, I had my nephew, who was nine, with me because I'd forgotten that I was looking after him. And he walked up to Sarah Pascoe and said, uh, Do you have any food in your bag? Because she hasn't fed me. <laughs> And I used to beat myself up about stuff like that, but now I think, in the future, all I'll remember of that story is Sarah Pascoe, wasn't it? So <laughs> I, I just think... Did she it. have any food in her bag? She said she had, she had some kind of, 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 well, what I would say, healthy bar, healthy bar oh, yeah. thing that he turned his nose up, but he was starving, so he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, so generally, you do giving a shit less, I think, is the best thing about getting Jane, older. Jane, do you like getting older? Or? Yeah, I, I had a moment, I went through... Um, And I could see some men here and I thought, oh, you know, like women, all they do all day is talk about their periods. And I must admit, I had about five years where it really knocked me off balance. And I, I've always really liked clothes and I've always really liked shopping for clothes. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, when I was a kid, I just loved clothes. And I went through this period where I wanted to run up to women of my age in the street and say, how do you decide what to wear? Because I don't know what to wear anymore. It completely threw me. I didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to, to be. But now I'm through all that nonsense, as I like to say, I'm loving it. And I just think that, you know, I know who I am. I can, I, I, I like, I just don't give a shit anymore. Mm. You know, I'm in my fifties. Um, I've had a lot of experience. I get knackered, you know, but I've had a good life so far and I'm just like, everything, everything's just you told right. me once, we were talking about clothes, and you yeah. told me once that Jane told me that uh, you'd had your colours done. Yeah, you I did, this? yeah. That and I said, but I said to her, I said, that sounds like a lot of hooey to me. And she said, well, you say that, but if you saw me in Kingfisher Blue or Salmon Pink, you'd change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was made, that's, I was made to do it by a friend of mine. Kingfisher Blue? It's Kingfisher it Blue. A bit. You do look lovely. I was made to do it by a friend of mine, and I thought, oh, this is going to be awful. But it was this kind of really new age woman. Um, but I mean, the colours were astonishing, and it really did make a difference. Because mm. um, I used to all just like wear black and grey like everybody. And it, it did, it just gave me that confidence of kind of going into... I can't believe I'm telling you what a wonderful thing is, having your colours done. But she showed me a picture of my inner goddess. 
And, I know, and apparently my inner goddess is Julia Roberts, back when she was, like, younger, so that was great, you know. And how do they, how do they work that out? They hold up bits of fabric against your face. Sorry, and see people which get money to do yeah. <laughs> But honestly, it was really... I, I went in... Because I'm so cynical, and I'm just, you know, don't give a shit. But seriously, like, people afterwards, for years, were just saying, oh, my God, you look so much better, that colour really suits you. Oh. Strangers would come up to me. I was once oh, waiting, that's weird. I was once waiting for my coat in a hotel, you know, the hat check, the hat check, you know, the coat check thing. Yeah, yeah. And the woman on the coat check said, I just want to tell that colour really suits you. And I'm like, yeah, I have my colours done. But now when I go in a shop, <laughs> really... if I go in a shop, I can just walk around, think, nope, and walk out again. Because what? it's not in my colour. But when, how do they work out that your inner goddess is... Do they hold bits of Julia Roberts but your face? Because she was a magic... The, the, the inner goddess thing was bollocks. Um, uh, but, you know, the colours were good. Yeah, she was this new... She was really weird, new... This was years ago. Did she ago. make you put, like, really, really shiny boots on that came to about here? <laughs> <laughs> do you like getting older? You're the youngest on the panel. I am, yes. Do you I, like getting older? I, I like getting older. I think my, the thing that I love is... Um, is getting better at stuff. Mm. That's what I think. That's the thing that's really exciting is is being much better at things. I'm a much better writer now. I'm a much better comic now. I'm far better at sex now than I ever was. <laughs> Honestly, Have you got I, any tips? I never used to move in the missionary position. <laughs> Honestly, until about eighteen months ago, I I just would lie there because I, I thought that's mm. what you did. Yeah. And then have a little nap, read your book, no, whatever. I didn't. <laughs> Positions, but in the missionary position, I thought my role was to be passive, <laughs> and I would, I would just lie there. And then what do you do now? When, when was the when was the moment where you just started? You didn't have a fit or something, did you? And it was just <laughs> <laughs> I started going to Pilates. And oh, strengthen your core. And the look of relief on my boyfriend's face was a look of I love you. So I wasn't going to say anything. But I was starting to hope you died before me. It was that sort of thing. <laughs> But, I, uh, but specifically, um, I was in... So I was in Los Angeles. It's the best advert for Pilates I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I honestly, I had no idea. Cos no-one, like... A ma no man's ever said to me, you know you're meant to move, don't you? Like, it's just not... It's never come just up. Just polite. It's yeah. not polite. You must have had lots of polite fellas. Not lots. <laughs> That's rude. Sorry. <laughs> Loads. A decent amount. <laughs> I, do, I don't really... Cos if you watch... But you know if you watch a film, like, and women in the missionary position don't move. They just... Anyway, they also, don't, they also don't get any lines or anything, no, women, <laughs> women in the film. <laughs> their boobs are always covered up. Um, and they're always, they're never under their arms either. They're not, I never no. hold mine like that. <laughs> oh, I just let them fill me ox pits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my armpits are never cold. <laughs> Do you ever, have you ever done that thing where you accidentally lean on your own nipple? <laughs> I, I trapped one in a Tupperware box recently. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I feel like I should explain. <laughs> I am... Um, you know those Tupperware boxes that have the four clippy sides? Yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, I had a nightie on, so they were just lolling about doing their own thing. And uh, one of them, one of the sides, I did one, two, three, and then often the fourth one's the hardest one because of the vacuum. And I, so I, the fourth one, I clipped, oh, it really wasn't going to go. And I pressed it as hard as I possibly could, and then I discovered why it wouldn't shut. Oh. <laughs> just, just a nipple in it. And it hurt so much, but it was also hilarious. <laughs> Do you like getting older? I do, I do. Um, yeah, I was I like in, that. No, I was in Los Angeles um, like the week before last, and the thing that was really... I was going to meetings, I was out there just going to meetings, and um, I was driving in an Uber car on my way to the airport, and I, was, I suddenly thought, the reason I'm out here doing this is because I've got really good at my job. And it was so exciting to go, this is where, like, 12 years in the industry's got me. I'm, I'm here doing such a weird... You know, up on the Warner Brothers lot and the Universal lot and things like that. God. And it made me feel really proud of myself. But then I started crying because I had PMS. So <laughs> my Uber driver was going, Miss, Miss, you OK? I was like, yeah, stopping. Oh, I'm so great. <laughs> <laughs> You still hadn't mastered PMS, but mm, everything yeah, else, everything nailed else it. is fine. <laughs> it's all right, it ends eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, whose uh, career do you all look up to? Is there anybody that... Or is there one person or a couple of people that you think... Oh, I, 
Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> We've got her with us. I don't know if you've <laughs> spotted her in the middle there. Yeah, I've got someone. Yeah, go I, on. think, I, feel, I feel bad because I, I think I should choose a woman, but I think the point is that there should be a woman doing what he, he's doing, and that's Charlie Brooker. I think Charlie Brooker, is, he, he was a fantastic reviewer of television. Mm. Um, I review television as well, so he's, it's a lot of fun to read other people who don't take it quite as seriously as well. Um, he does fantastic stuff with uh, satire in the news, and he writes a fantastic TV series. Um, and yeah, there was a female Charlie Brooker. I think that's what I would like to be. That is what you are, Hannah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, you just need to get it on the telly then. Yeah, just see some money. Similarly, my the person whose career I would love to emulate is Armando Inucci. And again, there's no woman that's done that. Someone who is a producer and a showrunner and assembles these great teams together and has written fantastic things. It's, it's kind of the person who's really, he's so in control of everything he produces, which is, and it's really difficult to get to that position, male or female, mm. but the, like we, there are no women doing that. I mean, Sharon Horgan's the nearest, and even she's got a very specific track that she's on in terms mm. of the sort of stuff that she writes. Whereas Armando Nucci's just, I mean, he's done so many amazing things. Mm. So that, that's kind of who I look to with what I'm doing. Jane? Um, I really admire some of my sort of friends and colleagues who are managing to make a living out of writing novels because it's incredibly difficult to do. There's a woman called Rowan Coleman who is a novelist and she writes kind of um, really lovely sort of real life kind of modern life romantic fiction but she's also got another alter ego and she writes Christmas novels and I just really you know there's this whole genre of Christmas novels that you can get nowadays which is kind of romantic stories set at Christmas oh. and I just yeah it's amazing you can, people buy, will buy Die these hard. kind of paperback <laughs> It's very romantic. <laughs> and I suppose it's, it's, it seems an odd person to choose, but it's just somebody who said, right, I can write, I'm going to write, and I'm going to make a living out of doing it. And it's so difficult, because for my first novel that I spent eight years writing, my first two novels, my advance, was £15,000, which might sound like a lot, but if you think about spending eight years writing it, and then I had to deliver another one, and then my agent took 15% off it, you can understand how, how difficult it is to make a living from mm. writing and to have the discipline and the creativity to keep sitting down and writing good quality, popular mm. fiction, year after year, and just make could, that your living. Could you pick another holiday? Could you do, like... Easter I'm going to write books about spring bank holiday Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All romance is set there. I don't know. Romance when, at Whitson. When I started writing, when I wrote my first novel, I, it was very much the Bridget Jones era, and I thought, oh, I could do that. I'll write one of those kind of really witty, slightly cynical uh, romances. And I went to see um, a, an, an agent. Um, I was about halfway through it, and I thought, I'll get, I'll get an agent to have a look at it. I'll see if I can get an agent. And he looked and he said, this is not going to have a happy ending, is it? He said, you can't. This is so dark. He said, have you thought about turning it into crime fiction? <laughs> and he was absolutely right, because the thing is, even my crime novel with, like, the happiest ending, um, we, we, it has a kind of romance running through it. It has this bit where I think the final, the final line is something like, I think we're going to be happy together for a long time. I hope so, anyway. And those are the final words of the book, and that's... Just <laughs> that's your big romance. Yeah, that's as romantic as I can get. So I think I'd really struggle with the August Bank Holiday romance. I like scenario. that you started with a romance and it ended up a crime fiction. It and I, did, I didn't change the start of the book, really. It still it just went to its logical conclusion. When I was, when I was at school, we did um, a, a, a puppet show. They wanted to do a puppet show, and we all had to make the puppets. So all of the girls made the princess and it was the frog prince, and all of the boys made the prince. And I started to make the princess, and they, they told us when you're making it, it was all like paper, uh, papier mache, or as we called it, paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, make sure that the head isn't this perfect sphere, it's got the bit at the back, so I did all of that. And the teacher came round and she said, oh, you're doing the frog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was absolutely gutted, but it turns out, like 25 kids were doing the, the prince and the, and the only one could be picked up either. Nobody else was doing the frog, so I definitely fucking got in it. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, that's my similar, that's a similar story. Moral. Yeah, I mean, he, he said to me, <laughs> my agent said, just go darker. And, I mean, quite literally, my hairdresser had suggested the same thing that same week, so... <laughs> for all women. So I've got a question. I am, yeah. um, uh, on the way here, I made use of a very valuable piece of advice that Sarah had given me, which was, 
when you're about to go on stage, always have a spare T-shirt with you. <laughs> and uh, I discovered that when I was eating a donut in the car, I'm moaning that there was no jam in it. In fact, it had all gone down my front. <laughs> Also, it's a, you'd found the donut in the car. Can I add that yeah, element to the story? Yeah, I also found a donut in the car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never and eat a donut that you find in the car. I can't. No, no that wasn't the advice. No, that's, advice was no I would never say that, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so, so somebody. So I, I was wondering, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you, Danielle? Oh, I don't know. Best piece of advice someone's ever given me. Oh, well, I once um, when to um, a restaurant and I was going to the Manic Street Preachers and I ordered some hummus and a glass of Prosecco because I thought that's a nice fun thing to do and I ate (laughs) 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 I was by myself such fun (laughs) and um, I ate all all this hummus and I was like oh it's a bit weird a bit fizzy but maybe that's to go with the Prosecco (laughs) because I'd never had I'd never had I never knew that things went off when they go fizzy and then um, my boyfriend's mum said that means it's gone off don't eat fizzy things. And I think that's the best bit of advice anybody's ever given me. <laughs> Not even pop. pop but you couldn't have even had Prosecco if that's the case. <laughs> but I honestly thought they'd oh, match the Prosecco hummus. to the hummus. It's, it's, no, yeah. I like the don't eat anything fizzy, though. Yeah, that was a... That's good advice. Yeah, good advice. What about you? Who's, who's giving you some good advice? My dad's advice was that there was no such thing as can't. Um, so there's only one thing you can't do when everything else is feasible. And the one thing that you can't do is... Um, go upstairs and stick your bum out of your bedroom window (laughs) and run downstairs and throw stones at it. That's the only thing you can't do. (laughs) Everything else is achievable. And while that's weird, it sticks in your mind, doesn't it? And also, it sort of depends on how big your arse is, I think. Um, But I think it it was his nice way of saying you can do anything, um, but it's quite a daft... It is a memorable way. If he just said you can do whatever you like, I might not have remembered it so much as the... Yeah. My dad used to have one piece of advice and he used it for absolutely everything and it was tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's surprisingly how many times it was actually a, a useful piece of advice. At other times it, it was really like, Dad, it's not going to work in this given situation. But yeah, quite often it would work. My mum my gave me one bit of sex advice. She said, what? you don't have to put anything in your mouth you don't want to. <laughs> But then she made me eat broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you all how you relax? I'm rubbish at relaxing. Somebody told me to start knitting, so I've started knitting. And do you knit? Do you knit with it? And crochet as well? Well, I I knit, but I'm so tense all of the time because I'm trying to relax that my knitting is so tight. (laughs) I sometimes can't get the needle in. And one of my friends was like, look at my knitting. And she held us up and it's all holy and you can see she's too fucking relaxed. Uh. But I basically, if I knit somebody a hat, it would give them a migraine. It's that <laughs> so I think knitting is not the way forward. So I'm interested in how... how Danielle, how do you, do you, you... You work so much. Do you, have, do you get time to relax much? Uh, I do. I take my, when I take my dog out for a walk, that is my relaxing time. I don't ever have my phone on. Uh, like, I take it with me just in case he runs away. But I don't ever look at my phone. Well, wait, so you, you can ring dog? him? <laughs> Do you ever think about texting your pets and realise yes. that, yeah? When I first got my first cat, I've got two cats and a dog, um, and I'd be coming home a bit earlier than I'd planned, I often thought, oh, I wish I could just text him and go, oh, I'm, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, but yeah. But that, that, so that's my relax. I take the dog out for like his big afternoon walk, and it's normally about an hour and a half, two hours, and that's very precious time to me, to the point where any other there's a few comics that live in Camden near where we live and I'll get a message going oh can I come on the dog walk with you today and I'm oh. like no 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 because I have to I have to do it by time, myself yeah. it has to be my time yeah. and do you do you listen to music or podcasts or do you just no because power I, walk I, I feel like I need to give the dog my full attention they don't like, like it. it they don't no. like it do they no when we first got our dog I was using the time to like make calls yeah. oh, about uh, make calls and he would oh he didn't like it at yeah. all and he would run into the road just things to get my attention he once quite recently he ran into the road in front of a hearse and I had to run and get him <laughs> so at least it was slow moving so that's yeah. good but I thought I hope they haven't got space in there so I didn't want to be <laughs> piled yeah. on top but that's no that's a good precious time then yeah. and Jane how do you relax well like you I, I don't really relax very well 
I think we, we sort of had a conversation about trying to relax and trying to give each other tips for relaxing. But I, I try and go to National Trust properties because I'm a middle-aged woman and I belong to the National Trust. And I went up to I went up to Cork Abbey, which is beautiful. But I got really, really uptight about like their inefficient kind of catering arrangements. <laughs> Because the queue at the cafe was like unreasonably long. It's because they had this really stupid system. Like one woman would only do baps. And you couldn't see what was in the baps, so she had to check every bap. And if you wanted hot food, you had to go to somebody else. And I was she just had to like, check all of the baps. <laughs> yes, because they all looked the same from above. <laughs> they hadn't thought to label them. And then I got rucksack rage because they wouldn't take me take, let my take my tiny little rucksack into the National Trust property. And I had this massive row with the poor woman on the front desk. And I thought to myself, I'm going to die here. I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs> So it was really relaxing then. Yeah, it was yeah. really relaxing. Thanks yeah. for the tip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How to give yourself a panic attack. Yes. I had a stroke at National Trust property. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, do you relax ever? Not at the minute, no. No, no. I have to say at the minute, um, uh, there's way too much stuff to be doing, watching, learning, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I, actually, if I do, I would say, if I do do anything to relax, it is, it is learning. I know it sounds weird, but oh. uh, Jane will tell you this, she periodically gets a... Facebook message for me that goes, oh, I watched a well boring documentary, it was great. Oh, well, all that <laughs> BBC yeah. Four Storyville and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so that, if I can find the time, maybe a yeah. time, some, maybe some whiskey and uh, a documentary about Watergate or something. Mm. Yeah. I find a bath and a wank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> couple of squares of dairy milk if I you've got it. I know they say pets. They, they say pets, and I've got two cats, and they are not conducive to relaxing at all. One of them every night gets the pint of water I leave by the side of the bed and just pushes it directly into my face <laughs> every night. Standard issue for all women. Uh, has anybody got any advice for their younger self? Should I start? Yeah. Um, I think I was always, qu- not weird to the point where people would notice it, but I was quite quiet and quite bookish at school and didn't really have many friends. And I think it would be nice if somebody had pulled me aside and said, it's all right, it's all right to be a bit weird. All the, all the people that I wasn't friends with because they weren't friends with me at school, they were all just kind of a bit blah. All the kind of oddballs and weirdos that I knew at school are all really cool, awesome people now. I think wish somebody, if somebody pulled me aside while, while my dad was telling me that there's no such thing as can't, <laughs> if somebody else had gone, it's all right that you're a bit weird, it's fine, that would have been nice. You've got an imaginary library, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I did have, it was very well kept. Um, <laughs> Any advice for your younger self? I oh, see. I wish I'd been told there's no such thing as can't because I, I went. I've got a very working class background. I went to a comprehensive school, and all the way through there was an expectation to. Oh, you know, if you're really lucky, you'll work at Marks and Spencer, or you know, if you if you really work really hard, you might be a primary school teacher. And even now, my family don't know. They don't acknowledge what I do for a living. It's all. Yesterday, I know it's really weird. My nan is obsessed with David Mitchell to the point of her screensaver on her iPad is David Mitchell. <laughs> and when I went on the iPad, all, all, for, all things, is David Mitchell married? When's David Mitchell going on tour? And so yesterday, I opened, I've, I've done two episodes of The Unbelievable Truth, and I said to her, well, I've worked with David Mitchell. Here's The Unbelievable Truth. It's a radio thing that I've done with him. And my nan went, just talking, it's really boring. And switched <laughs> No, like none of my family have ever listened oh to anything God. I've ever done or seen me gig or anything. And I sort of wish that I'd had someone that they're, they're not they're lovely, they just don't get they just don't get it at all. It's, it's a quite a weird job to be yeah. in for them to understand, I yeah. suppose. It's not about them being unsupportive, it's about them literally not understanding what it is that I do. I know what you mean about the about showing them something that you've yeah. done. Because I I am... Um, my mum said to me once, uh, oh, you know how I like now? I said, who do you like now? She said, Russell Watson. I love Russell Watson. And I said, you know you saw him live? And she went, no, I've never seen him live. And I did the Royal Variety, and Russell Watson was on just before me, but it was past my mum's sort of bedtime. <laughs> so she was just asleep in the audience <laughs> through Russell Watson, and then my dad elbowed her awake. The bane's on, wake up, the bane's on. <laughs> so she's been in the same room as Russell fucking Watson, but she was asleep. Bless her. Uh, advice to your, to your younger self, Jane? Well, I would, I would tell the 16-year-old um, me who once at a church youth group, group disco ended up slow dancing with the dog because none of the boys would dance with me. <laughs> oh. 
That's brilliant, yes. though. So Did you have its paws up? So the dog, the dog walked across, and it stood on its hind legs, put its paws on my shoulders, and uh, that's how I slow danced with the dog to Zoom by Fat Larry's band. And it was oh. honestly the worst moment of my life. I and think it sounds amazing. Magical. And I wish... Magical. Romantic. <laughs> I would like to tell that, that 16-year-old that one day you would actually tell that story on stage. And get laughs. Oh, oh, that's nice. Well, there I is was a filthy punchline, but I'm not going to do it. I was going to say I'd tell my younger self to take less drugs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Tell my youngest self to take more, more drugs, there. or just no. some drugs. No, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'd tell myself. I, I I think I would be absolutely wasting my time attempting a conversation with sixteen-year-old me. <laughs> she would never have listened. There's absolutely no two ways about it. Who the fuck are you turning up telling me? No, I, I have no advice to offer her. She's on her own. <laughs> Who the fuck are you, and have you just had a donut? <laughs> She would, well, she, we, she would have said, do you know what my dad says? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, can we just... Uh, has anybody got anything they want to plug? Jane, you've got your oh, books. I, I write books. I write books. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get the German one, because that one's shit. Because <laughs> that's absolutely grotten shit. There are three books. They're, they're out. They're, I mean, they're sort of out. That was a long time ago, but they were published by Random House, which is now part of Penguin. And there's one called Grievous Angel. There's one called The Murder Ballad. And there's one called... Dancing with dogs? Can't. There's <laughs> <laughs> one called Can't Let Go, which is set partly in the world of stand-up comedy, and they're all oh. kind of thrillers, but a little bit psychological as well. They're your big romances. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is, there's kind of, there's romance yeah. in... No, there's not, actually, no, but there's sex fine. in them. Danielle, but. what have you got to plug? Uh, I've got a podcast called Do The Right Thing, which is on iTunes, which, um, which is excellent. done. I have, it's very good. It's a panel show, it's really good. Panel show, yeah. And that's, um, if you want to listen to that, that's great. Uh, and I've got um, my stand-up show that I did in Edinburgh last year. I did last night. So if you can travel back in time and come and see that. <laughs> no, um, I've, I filmed it for... A, a, there's this app. Uh, it's like a comedy Netflix called Next Up. And my show's going to be on there next month. And I think I get... 15p for everybody who watches it. So, um, yeah, Ooh. tell your friends. That's, that's more than I get for a book borrowed from the library. So that's pretty good, actually, yeah. Well, that's a good fact. Uh, Hannah, have you got anything to plug? Um, only Standard Issue, www.standardissuemagazine.com. This is the sort of thing that we talk about. We talk about all sorts of things. The idea behind it, I set it up because I was annoyed at the rubbishy magazines that women were given. And I think uh, when I go to the hairdressers and I get given a couple of magazines now, I just flick the Vs at them and put my phone on and have a look at Standard Issue instead. I just think women women are interested in everything, not just, you know, lipsticks and when's the right time to wear white jeans. Um, <laughs> I've got IBS. There's never a fucking good time to wear white jeans. <laughs> so I would like to plug Standard Issue as well. Um, you guys have been so lovely. Thanks ever so much for coming. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Standard Issue in conversation with Jane Hill, Daniel Ward, Hannah Dunleavy and me, Sarah Milliken, recorded live at Firebug Bar in Leicester. The theme music and stings were composed and recorded by Barry Hilton, all rights reserved. Thanks to Maddie Hickish for all tech things, to Jen Offord for organising the event, to all at Firebug Bar in Leicester and to Jane and Danielle for taking part. <laughs>